0: Pitch. Swing
1: a Deep left.
0: On! what's up everybody welcome to another episode of the baseball america podcast i am carlos Colazo today hosting an organization talent rankings podcast with my man kyle glazer kyle what's going on
1: not too much, Carlos. Just uh, exciting times. We got college baseball opening today. Yes, sir. Pitchers and catchers. Uh, the final uh, teams are reporting today. We'll have games next week. It's
0: baseball's finally in the air. Uh, we'll have games today, Kyle. Yeah, I'm excited to get out to the college field. But uh, for today, since we released our organization rankings this week, we figured it only made sense to discuss yeah. those, talk about some of the, uh, the top teams, some of the rising teams, some of the bottom end teams, and why they're down there. Uh, really just do the full conversation of it. So before we get into it, let me just let you kind of talk about how we come up with our organization Talent Rankings. Obviously, this is something that's kind of a year-long process as we're talking to scouts and watching players and kind of identifying prospects for the handbook, compiling that, compiling all the grades. But can you kind of just Give the listeners a sense of how these organization rankings come into play.
1: Sure, so when you get your Baseball America Prospect Handbooks, you'll see that each player comes with a grade and a risk associated with that grade. Mm -hmm. Basically, the organization talent rankings are we take all those grades and average them out. Mm -hmm. So say the Padres' average grade is 55, where the A's average grade is 52.5. The Padres are going to rank ahead of the A's. Mm -hmm. It's a straight mathematical formula there. Um, We also kind of take into account that there's been some really interesting research out there about uh, what a a prospect is worth in terms of of dollars Mm market-wise, and whether you agree with the valuations or not that a a prospect who's a potential 65 grade prospect is worth X millions of dollars, Mm What you can agree with is, is it's another way to kind of value these players yeah. and stack them up. So we we take the handbook average grades. We also look a little bit at some of those valuations, taking some research done by, by some really brilliant people out there and kind of mesh them together mm-hmm. and come up with a final list. And really the org talent rankings are, are what that order is. Yeah. We will move one or two teams around maybe a little bit. For example, if mm-hmm. such and such team's prospect valuations come out to say a number that's 200 and other teams is at 198. Mm. And we feel like, just using some of our prospect knowledge and, and the scouting reports that we mm. have, we feel like the team with 198 actually probably is the better form system. We might move that around, mm. but you won't see us really moving around teams where there's you know a, a very significant uh, difference in the valuations. Yeah. So at the end of the day, it, it's kind of a, a mix of, of all the different factors, but we really do try and keep it to kind of this straight math because at the end of the day, you know, that's what we're trying to do is get the grades right on these players mm-hmm. through year, a year, a years in some cases, mm-hmm. but easily one year, uh, of just talking to scouts and at the end of the day, using those grades to, to really be the basis of these organization talent rankings.
0: Yeah, how would you say risk is factored into these rankings? And Do you think the BA grades themselves do a nice job of kind of uh, putting that risk in the, the area it needs to be? Is there any extra risk factor kind of uh, taken into account after the fact when we're kind of lining up these... Uh, or rankings or is it kind of done before we even get to that point? It's it's kind of done
1: before we even get to that point, assessing yeah. each individual player's risk. Now, yeah. there's obviously times where, when again, if you get your Baseball America Prospect handbook, you'll see we have uh, a couple different gradations of risk. Low, medium, high, very high, extreme. Yeah. Each of those has a certain effect on a player's overall grade in terms of what that final number is. Mm-hmm. But uh, at the end of the day, we really factored in there. And, and look, there are cases where you look at the A system, for example, and this was more the case last year, but it is the case this year too, mm-hmm. there's a lot of guys with some very scary injury histories in there. So even though there's talent, mm-hmm. there's a lot of extreme risks in there, but that's baked into the handbook yep. rankings, and that's where we draw the, okay, they're a little lower on the org talent rankings than maybe some of the names might make you think exactly. they would be just based on looking at and it. And
0: then kind of my last question with this is, how do you, just waiting pitchers and hitters, obviously JJ's talked about this plenty, I'm sure you've talked about this as well, Just the, the hitters seem to hit more. Pitchers, a lot more risky obviously. Anything can happen, they get injured, they never come back, they're not the same, it changes things. So is that weighted into this at all? Uh, again, it's it's weighted into the prospect handbook where, mm-hmm. okay, say we have
1: a system of, you know take the Padres system for example, mm-hmm. where there are a lot of really, really, really good arms, yeah. but knowing just the history of that, we still ran up three position players in their top four mm-hmm. just because the end of the day, there's a higher likelihood of the hitters you yeah. know, having the careers they can. So it's baked into that, and everything is okay. f- taken from there
0: into the org talent rankings. Awesome. Well, let's just go ahead and dive into the top team. You've been mentioning them a couple times. It's the Padres, no surprise, uh, and, and kind of the recent success of those number one teams. You would assume if you have the number one farm system, good things are coming for you in the future but you actually dove into the numbers uh, and got some evidence for that. So what did you find out when you kind of looked back at our history of number one org rankings?
1: Yeah, so I I think when I started this, we always kind of have a hypothesis and say, hey, I wonder what this is, this is what
0: I think it might be. Guaranteed World Series championships. uh, No,
1: (laughs) but I have a hypothesis that it's probably pretty (laughs) strong because look, this isn't news, right? Mm -hmm. Having a good homegrown core that you can bring up and develop and, and for a lot of teams, you don't have to pay them a whole lot in Mm -hmm. the early stages. That's the core of every team's success, and you bring in the free agents and the the trades around them. Mm -hmm. Whether you wanna go to the 2018 Red Sox, and hey, Benintendi, and Betts, and and Bogarts, and Devers, and and, and Jackie Bradley Jr., Like that's the core, and Mm -hmm. then you fill in J.D. Martinez, who are every bit as impactful, but you have to start with that core. So if you have a strong, homegrown core, it does correlate to success. I thought it'd be strong. It's even stronger and faster than I realized though. Looking back since 2005, 13 of the 14 teams BA has ranked as the number one system made the playoffs within two years. A lot of times we think of, okay, the good farm system, it's still gonna take three, four, five years to to become something. A lot of these prospects are hitting faster than that. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, talent's talent. It's gonna rise to the top. And especially now we're seeing really talented young players, mm-hmm. having impacts earlier than ever
0: before. Yeah, and I would imagine that most, maybe not all, but most number one teams, I would imagine you have a lot of prospects who are t- kind of knocking on the door at the major league level. You look at the Padres, they have guys like Fernando Tatis, uh, Luis Urias, Francisco Mejia, who are all very close. A couple other pitchers who are close as well. I'm not saying that's the case every year, but I imagine that would help kind of speed that process up. But you did mention it within two years, it is a little bit quicker than you, and I would have guessed as well. So that's interesting. Um, but yeah, congrats to Padres fans. You guys are finally gonna make the playoffs. It's exciting times in San Diego. Well, <laughs> there's, uh, and, and is there that, any, are there any cases where this wasn't actually this didn't actually pan out? You said thirteen out of fourteen. What's the what's the one example?
1: So well, it's actually the well the one example that didn't happen within two years was the Kansas City Royals who took three and they made back to back World Series. Yeah, they'll take that. And even going back to two thousand, we go back a little further. Mm-hmm. Well, it wasn't quite as quick, but you still saw like the 2004 Brewers were a number yeah. one system that year. That's Prince Fielder, Ricky Weeks, J.J. Hardy, Corey Hart. That group was huge into getting them to the playoffs in 2008. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 2003 Indians. That's Cliff Lee, Victor Martinez, Johnny Peralta. Like that group was really instrumental in getting them to the playoffs in 2007. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grady Sizemore, Travis Hafner in there. So it used to take maybe a little longer, but they all, they all
0: made it. But what do you think is the difference in? That early 2000s era, where maybe it took a few more years than what we've seen recently. Do you think it's literally just the pref, not the preference, but just so many teams seeing success with young guys and just pushing kids through the minors quicker? It's a little bit Is of a just change, as simple it, as that. It's
1: a little bit of a change in mindset. Uh, you know, we've talked a lot about with uh, PED testing really mm-hmm. getting going 2004, 2005. Yeah. A lot of the older players who might have held on to a job at 36, 37 are no longer holding on to that Mm -hmm. job. So you have more younger players playing roles in the majors, perhaps, that you wouldn't have at that time. And then on top of that, you know, there's been a lot of advances in technology where players' flaws as prospects can be identified to the most minute detail. Mm
0: -hmm. Player development has taken huge strides. Yeah.
1: So you have a combination of those factors Mm -hmm. allowing players to get up sooner and be more impactful. You also mentioned that a lot of times these teams that are number one, it's because a lot of their top prospects are in AAA because mm-hmm. that risk is a lot lower. Yeah, But I said that the Potters being number one said, oh, good, they're going to the postseason. And yeah. I, I brought the well in there because. Yeah, what do they need to
0: do to make sure they kind of follow that path?
1: Right. There's a second component to this, right? So what we've seen with all of these teams, these number one systems who the last 14 have, you know, all made the playoffs and really go back even to all the last 16s. Um, mm-hmm. And you can make a direct line from it. Each of those teams, in order to get over the hump, had to make well-timed trades. And, mm-hmm. and I like using the Royals as a case study here because this was the team that had nine top 100 prospects, at the time the most mm-hmm. in Baseball America history, and the same numbers the Potters have now. Yeah, Eric Cosmer. Mike Moustakis, all those guys were absolutely integral in the Royals making the postseason when they did. And by the way, that includes Salvador Perez, Danny Duffy, Donna Ventura, mm-hmm. Kelvin Herrera. All these guys were, were huge for them. But a group of those made it, to, made it onto the big league roster. You know, again, Hosmer, Moustakis, Ventura, mm-hmm. Herrera. But the Royals also don't get to where they got without making trades. Mm -hmm. They don't have a winning season in 2013 and get to the World Series in 2014 if they don't make the trade for James Shields where they traded a bunch of their prospects. They don't win the World Series in 2015 if they don't make the trades for Johnny Cueto and Ben Zobrist at that deadline. So on the one hand, having that farm system, that strong farm system was the core. They got them up, Mm -hmm. they, they formed the basis of that royal success. But to get them over the top, Smart trades had to be made. And you can make this for every other team. You go back to the 2004 Brewers. That core I mentioned helped get them into postseason mm-hmm. p- position. Then they had to go add CC Sabathia and give something up good. They traded Michael Brantley. Yeah. So at the end of the day, and again, you, you can do this exercise for any of these systems ranked number one. At some point, a, a trade had to be made, a big free agent signing. in the 2015 Cubs. Chris Bryant, Addison Russell, Kyle Schwarber, Albert Almora, like all mm-hmm. these guys. They still had to go, at one point, trade Labor Tours to get the role yeah. Chapman to be a World Series champion. No doubt. So, we so, heard rumors
0: this week of AJ Preller meeting with Manny Machado a couple of times. They were in the running for JT Real Muto. It definitely sounds like they're trying to make that big addition outside of their farm system. So, yeah. Th- It'll be interesting to see what they actually end up doing.
1: Yeah, so that will be the key here. But I <laughs> would say that the Padres, by virtue of being number one, are in the best position they've been in as a franchise in some time. And at the end of the day, that's all you can do. Yeah. Put your team in the best position to then go add those final pieces. And now that's going to be the next step for mm-hmm. the Padres to actually follow their predecessor's footsteps and not be the team that breaks the streak.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Well, we talk about the Padres. Uh, the number two team on this list also has nine top 100 prospects. Wander Franco, Brent Honeywell, Brendan McKay, and you go on and on down the list. I'm a really big fan of Matthew Libretor, uh, among other players they have in their system. Was there any debate at all about Padres versus Rays or even another team that maybe doesn't have as many guys in the top 100, but maybe some more impact like the Blue Jays, obviously with the top prospect in baseball. Was there any debate on who was the number one team? Was it close at all? How would you describe that gap from one even down to two or three? It really wasn't
1: that close. And part of what separates the Padres, you mentioned the Rays also having nine top 100 prospects. Mm -hmm. You could say, oh, nine, nine would have been close. What separates the Padres is when you get into that prospect Mm -hmm. numbers 10 through 20, Mm -hmm. 20 through 30, The Padres just blow the Rays away, and that's true with the Blue Jays, that's true with the Braves, Mm -hmm. that's true with the White Sox. All these other teams that have really good systems.
0: So Just very impressive depth once you get further and further down the list.
1: And We talk about there's no such thing as a surefire prospect. All these guys, everyone has a chance for something to go wrong, but you can mitigate that by sheer force of numbers. Mm -hmm. Some of these guys are going to hit, some are not. So... In that sense, the Padres both have as much high-end talent as any team in baseball, as, as we've talked about many, many times.
0: As well as a pretty good guy to lead it, and Fernando Tati is a pretty good top prospect. Right. With, with, on.
1: with the depth, that blows everyone else away. So mm-hmm. that made them the number one team in our organization talent rankings, really without too much thought. We ran the numbers. They came out number one. We looked. as like, yeah. I mean, there was really not any point. You can have the... Devil's advocate type conversations, mm-hmm. but they were never really held
0: with any level of seriousness. Yeah. So the Braves, number one in 2017, number one in 2018, their streak of number one farm systems end here, and they slide to, all the way down to number four. So still pretty good for them. They've been in the top five for three straight, well four straight years now, going back to 2016 when they were number three. Um, where again, would you say the, the like tier gradations go for these teams here? Obviously, you have the Rays and the Padres with nine. We talked about the Blue Jays. How big of a gap is the Atlanta Braves, the Houston Astros, the White Sox from these teams? Or is there a huge gap in your mind?
1: I would say that number one is number one. Mm-hmm. Two, three, four are probably all in a group together. Yeah. You could argue two through five. I, the Astros don't have the depth to match those other teams. So I would mm-hmm. say two through four are the second tier. That's uh, the Rays, Blue Jays, and Braves. And, and again, you mentioned the Braves. They've dropped for the right reasons. They've successfully graduated Ronald Acuna, Ozzy Albies, Sean Newcomb, Dansby Swanson. Like they're there for the, they've they've yeah. dropped for the right reasons and are still in great position. I would say then tier three is probably starting with the Astros at number five, and then White you kind of
0: six, twin seven, yeah,
1: yeah, and then maybe tier number four you kind of get into that Reds, Dodgers,
0: Cardinals group. So okay. I'd say that's why you'd split up the top gotcha. ten. All right, well let's talk about risers then. Uh, obviously we've uh, hit on the top systems here. We have talked about the Padres. Um, on this podcast and plenty previous so I feel like people who listen regularly probably have a pretty good sense of what the Padres system is and how impactful it is but there are a few surprising teams here in the teens a few years ago we talked about them among the worst farm systems in baseball I don't think that's any kind of exaggeration at all Uh, but the two teams I'm talking about here are the Marlins and Mariners Um, obviously the Mariners have not had a lot of major league success in recent years. Uh, the Marlins have two World Series, obviously, but more recently, uh, this is kind of what we've seen from them, where they're trading off all their stars at the major league level, and they just traded away their uh, their one last star really on their team in J.T. Realmuto. Um, but they've traded away Yelich, Giancarlo Stanton, J.T. Realmuto, and. Marcelo Zuna. Exactly. They've traded away everyone on their team. Marlins fans are well aware of this. Has it paid off for them? Oh, well, I mean, no. Not (laughs) not yet. I mean, clearly. Are you optimistic about the returns they've gotten back from those
1: trades? So I think what you can say with the J.T. Real Muto trade is they got the guy who has the best chance to impact their club. Marcelo Zuna trade... They got some guys who can probably help at some point. I yeah. still like Sandy Alcantar. I think he could be a good pitcher. Zach Gallen, I think, is another guy who's, who's solid. You move into Giancarlo Stanton. That's the one where, mm-hmm. in my mind, they really didn't get. I think Starling Castro is the best player they got. It. I think he's better than any of the other prospects they got. And a lot of that was money-related. Christian Jelic, that's the kind of deal, look, The Marlins are never going to get equal value to what Christian Yellich is going to do Mm -hmm. these next four years, plus what he did last year with the Brewers. All they can hope for is, okay, we get some guys who still help us. Like My favorite example of that is the old Cardinals-Angels-Jim Edmonds trade. The Angels traded Jim Edmonds to the Cardinals. They got back Kent Bottenfield and Adam Kennedy. Jim Edmonds was a better player than those guys for after that trade. But... The Angels can say, Adam Kennedy gave us enough. He was a good starting second baseman Mm -hmm. for a while. He won an ALCS MVP. Mm -hmm. He did enough that you don't feel terrible about the trade. But you measure it out. Jim Edmonds still blows everyone away. It's just, you still got something where you're like, you know what? Mm -hmm. We can deal with how it turned out. That's really the best case the Marlins can hope for. They're not going to win this trade. The Real Muto trade, it's just going to be Sixto's health. And anytime you're talking about a pitcher in A-ball with a bad elbow, Mm -hmm. as talented as he may be, it's a little scary. So... Look, are the guys the Marlins traded for going to outdo all the guys they traded away? The answer is no. It's a hard no. But while they had all those guys, they had huge, huge holes throughout the rest of their lineup. Mm -hmm. They they were short on the pitching side, especially after Jose Fernandez's death. So the idea is that this team will be more well-rounded, more balanced. And and that's all you can hope for. And Mm -hmm. and this trade shot them up higher than the three trades last year did combined. Yeah, Shooting them from, they were going to be last, I think they came in like 22nd now they're up to, to 13, yeah. so uh, this this was the best of the trades they've made regarding these guys. Mm-hmm. They also added Victor, Victor, Mesa, but I wouldn't call any of this like, oh yeah, they're in great position. Mm-hmm. You don't lose all those guys and get better.
0: Yeah, the Marlins the last five years have ranked among the worst 10 teams uh, as far as farm system rankings go. It's 24, 29, 29, 25, and 27 from 2018 to 2014. And you and touched on something that I think is pretty important in Victor, Victor, Mesa, and both. Both the Marlins and the Mariners have added impact through trades in their farm system and also on the international market. And obviously the international market has been something that's becoming more and more important to teams over the last few years. The international scouting uh, staffs have increased uh, pretty much across the board with teams. You even see teams like the Orioles finally getting involved in that market. Um, But the Marlins have Victor Victor Mesa and the Mariners also have an international prospect of their own. And you say, Kikuchi, how much do those players specifically help put these guys where they're at in the kind of middle tier farm systems and uh, what are you looking forward to them moving forward?
1: What are you looking for
0: them to do? Do so, So
1: Kikuchi moves them up a lot. You mentioned the Mariners. It's weird, right? On the one hand, they have the longest playoff drought in North American professional sports, all four. But on the other hand, it's not like they've been the Marlins and the Marlins with their streak of, of nine straight losing seasons. Mm-hmm. The Mariners won 89 games last year. Yeah. This was a good team last year. They won 86 in 2016. They won 87 in 2014. They've been on the periphery of the playoff race. They've been competitive, but they haven't had the depth. Mm-hmm. As soon as some pitching injuries hit or some of their veterans they were counting on and the lineup start to decline, mm-hmm. they just haven't had anyone to replace them, in part because they traded 55 prospects in the three years since Jerry DiPoto took over. Mm-hmm. So the reverse course this year to build a more sustainable foundation. And I think Kikuchi is an interesting part of this because while a lot of the other guys they brought in to you know, enhance the farm system, Julio Rodriguez and, and Noelvi Marte, international signings you mentioned, I mean, if they're Juan Soto, they're three years away, more likely they're five to six. Mm-hmm. Jared Kellin, who they acquired for the Mets in the trade for Robbie Cano and Edwin Diaz, great player, high school draftee who was in rookie ball last Mm -hmm. year, like, there's a a few years away here. What you say Kikuchi does is he mitigates some some of the risk that the Mariners had brought in in terms of improving their farm system. Japanese left-hander, and we've seen the Japanese pitching crop recently has been an incredible hit, rate from Otani, Tanaka, Darvish, you know, even the the mid-tier guys, the Kenta Maeda is the world. It's been really, really good, so you bring in a, a number three caliber starter, perhaps, with he's ready to go right now. Mm -hmm. That's a huge value to your farm system. Mariners were already going to make a substantial jump from 30th last year to still in that middle 10 to 20 Mm -hmm. tier this year, but adding Kikuchi bumped them up another four or five
0: spots. Gotcha. Awesome. Are there any other teams uh, that maybe aren't the biggest risers but are perhaps sleepers that are outside of this top 10, even top 15 range that you want to touch on? Maybe some teams that Uh, have some talent in their system where they can make a jump in the next year or you wouldn't be surprised if their farms had some impact?
1: Sure. So I think one of the things that's important to point out, and I went back and looked at this, even the teams that are last place in these farm systems, if you go Mm -hmm. back and look with the benefit of hindsight, they all have big leaguers. The, The Angels teams in 2013, 2014 that were last they had C.J. Cron. they had Mike Clevenger, Cole Calhoun was there, Randall Gritchuk. They are everyday players mm-hmm. still there. You go back, uh, one of my favorites is that uh, the Astros were the worst farm system, 2008, 2009, and 2010, <laughs> three straight years. Well in 2010, Dallas Keuchel and Jose Altuve were in those systems, it's just, Altuve wasn't known yet, because he was in rookie ball, mm-hmm. and Keuchel had just been drafted, and there wasn't a whole lot on him mm-hmm. yet. So, even these teams in the bottom group still have guys, yeah. and so for me, two teams that jump out to me as they're in the bottom half, but there's still players here to work with, mm-hmm. including some guys that might be a little underrated, are the Pirates at number 18, and the Rockies at number 24. Yeah. You know, starting with the Pirates, you still have you know three top 100 guys, including two who were in the upper minors, and Mitch Keller and Cabrian Hayes, you have Neil Cruz, but they also have guys who, they might not be big and flashy, but They just keep performing i look at a guy like a brian reynolds you see guys like kevin kramer kevin newman guys who are in the upper minors they've performed that they in a lot of cases they all play premium positions that they could all play up the middle Mm -hmm. i I think the pirates have enough guys in this system that when we look back and five ten years from now and if we want to do a re-rank that they would end up finishing higher yeah and the other team for me is the Rockies, who... And the Rockies,
0: just before you dive into them, they're a team that's gone... 2016, they were ranked number 6, 17, number 10, and 2018, number 19. And now they're 24, so it seems like they're trending down. But I feel like... I'm curious to hear what you think about this, but I feel like they're a team that's going down for the right reasons. They've graduated plenty of guys that are impacting their team.
1: Right, they've made the playoffs back-to-back years, mm-hmm. first time in, po- in franchise history, and they did that with the most homegrown players on yep. their playoff roster of any team in baseball. So you're right they're turning down for the right reasons. They're successfully graduating prospects mm-hmm. in the majors, which is the whole point of it. But even with that, I cover a lot of different clubs, their teams all across the country. And the Rockies to me, because I think their player development apparatus is so strong, there's a lot of other systems where I watch guys that are supposed to be guys, I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, they're good, I, I see it, but I'm not as convicted. Mm-hmm. The Rockies to me have a lot of guys who can just
0: play. And you mentioned the player development. I had a conversation with the scouting director a few weeks ago. I was asking him, okay, which which scouting departments are kind of worry you the most? Which do you respect the most? And the Rockies was one of the first teams that he pointed to. And I think if you look at their track record, it kind of bears out with guys they hit at the top of the draft and even further down into these rounds that they've drafted, taken the talent, and then successfully groomed that talent and developed it to the major league.
1: You've got Brendan Rodgers. You had that premium prospect at the top. Mm-hmm. You have Garrett Hampson, another everyday caliber player. Yeah. Peter Lambert, who is 21 and in AAA, and, and talking to some scouts in the PCL, so was like, yeah, the numbers weren't great, but that's a really good arm. He's mm-hmm. coming. Grant Levine and Colton Walker and lower Grant liners. Levine had
0: one of the best debuts of any of the 2018 draftees. Right, but both of these guys have, have, the, have upside. The conviction to take a northeast bat like that at a position, first base, third base, if you think he's going to play third base, but wherever he's playing, it's a corner. So that's a lot of conviction you have in a hit tool and a New Hampshire bat. And it's paid off for them to this point. He looks pretty dang good.
1: So so you got those guys in top five. Tyler Nevin just crushed in the fall. That's a Mm -hmm. real bat. And going down, Sam Hilliard is to me the perfect Rockies guy that people aren't really talking a whole lot about. He can play. One scout gave me a Brad Hop comp on him. That's an everyday player. Mm -hmm. Sam Hilliard will have a better major league career or projects to than a lot of these other guys who we have super high grades on. But they're in rookie ball. Or they're in low A, where something's going to go wrong. Even down into Justin Lawrence and Reed Humphreys in the bullpen. I mean, two guys with nasty stuff, Lawrence in particular. So, to me, when I look at this, the Rockies, to me, are this team in that 21 to 30 yeah. range that I think has a chance to make us look really bad in five years, <laughs> where we look back and go, man. And again, part of that is because they have a lot of guys who are perceived to be not super high ceiling mm-hmm. and a group of guys as well who are down in the minors, but... They can just play. yeah. And I, I really, really think that they have a chance to uh, produce a, a handful of everyday players mm-hmm. out of this
0: current group and continue their run of player development success. Yep, no doubt. Let's continue to work our way down the list and go kind of towards the back end. We touched on the top teams, some of the middle tier teams, some of our sleeper teams. But rounding out the uh, the 30 here is the Cubs at 29, with zero top 100 prospects. And the Red Sox at 30, zero top 100 prospects. Uh, the, the one thing... Uh, uniting these two teams here is a recent world series championship so i think they'd probably be pretty happy with a bottom tier farm system ranking in exchange for that that flag that's going to stay up for a very long time
1: oh yeah absolutely and again we talk about when you're at the bottom of the organization talent rankings there's different ways to get there Mm -hmm. the marlins were there because they were terrible at drafting and even though they successfully graduated some guys they were still finishing third, fourth, fifth every year. Mm-hmm. The Mariners were last last year and it was because they were trading away most of their good prospects. Those are teams who get to last place the way you don't want to be in last place. Yeah. The Cubs and Red Sox, not only, I mean, in a way their World Series pennant is their award for finishing last place. They should be stoked they're in last place yeah. because they're in last place, these last two places, because they successfully graduated huge cores of homegrown talent mm-hmm. for the Cubs, Chris Bryan, Javi Baez, Albert Almora, Kyle Schwarber. they acquired Addison Russell when he was a still a mm-hmm. prospect. He's credited to them. Then we mentioned the Red Sox, Mookie Betts, Jackie Bradley, Andrew Benintendis, Andrew Bogarts, Rafael Devers. This is what you're supposed to do, graduate these guys. And then on top of that, once those cores were brought up successfully as they hoped to have mm-hmm. been, they then use the rest of their prospect depth, which is pretty impressive, to make trades they needed and to supplement make. supplement the Major League team. Red Sox with Kimbrell, trading Manny Margot and Logan L and Javier Guerra, Carlos why to get that closer they mm-hmm. needed. Obviously the Chris Sale trade, trading Yohann Moncada, Michael Kopech. So they lost prospects because they graduated a bunch, had to trade the rest, and they did it right. So again, these are teams that every fan base in America <laughs> would love to be in last place in the org talent rankings. Yeah. Well, you might be surprised, Kyle, with, 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 <laughs> with the way they did it. You don't want to be last in the yeah. org talent rankings the way the Marlins were last year, mm-hmm. but the way these clubs have done it, it's, it's been picture perfect, and you'll see the Red Sox ranked number two farm system in 2014, the Cubs number one in 2015. It's because the guys in those systems successfully graduated mm-hmm. or removed. But, but even with that, okay, so what does this mean moving forward? Well, the fact that both these teams have those young cores still in the majors, they're still going to win in the majors. Yeah. So they have some time those to players backfill aren't going in. anywhere anytime soon. It does become more difficult just because you're picking at the back of the first round now. Mm-hmm. But both these teams have such successful track histories, particularly in drafting
0: position players now.
1: Drafting pitchers has been a problem for both yeah, teams. Yeah, both of them
0: really good success with college hitters particularly. I mean, you look at Brian and even Ben Intendi, who was a guy who kind of popped up late that draft year. Really impressive picks for both those teams and, and a nice job from the player development.
1: So, I think that what it means moving forward, they're going to have to backfill this because at a certain point, those talent cores they currently have are going to age out, are going to get really expensive. Mm-hmm. But they have another year or two or three to do that. And even with that, you know, we hit on this earlier just because they're in last place doesn't mean there's nothing there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think my ultimate example of this 2006, the last place farm system for Baseball America was the Reds in the prospect handbook. Joey Votto was in that system. Pretty good player. Jay Bruce was in that system. Travis Wood was in that system. So even though on the course of, okay they had 30 guys and really only three or four made it, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: three or four that made it did some really good things for them and that's a common theme through a lot of these bottom tier farm systems. Even if you go to like the 2012 White Sox, who were a bottom farm system, There's no future all-stars in there, but Eduardo Escobar, Hector Santiago technically was an Mm all-star. Addison Reed, Yomer Sanchez, Nate Jones. like Guys who could help you. There's still going to be guys from these Mm -hmm. systems who eventually do something to help the big league club. Um, Cubs still have Nico Horner, Miguel Amaya, and there's probably someone down in the 20s -hmm. who maybe is just getting his career started that's gonna pop in the next few years. Red Sox, you know, we'll see if Jay Groom and Tristan Cassis can get healthy. We saw Bobby Dahlbeck take a step forward. Yeah,
0: very excited to see Tristan Cassis healthy. It was unfortunate to see kind of a freak injury with him last year. So him getting a full healthy season will be great for them.
1: Yeah, so, so again, these are the last place farm systems. They're there for the right reasons, and it doesn't mean there's no yep. talent there. There's, there's things to build on, and even if these guys don't pan out, those flags, those two clubs are flying, and uh, fly forever. And
0: every team in America would take that trade in any sport. No doubt, well Kyle, thank you for running through these. Uh, if you want to see the full list, uh, with summaries and top prospects for each of these teams, definitely check out BaseballAmerica.com. Kyle, is there anything else you want to plug, anything the uh, listeners and readers should be looking forward to from you or, or just Baseball America in general? We've got the Baseball America Major League Season Preview coming out yes. shortly.
1: Uh, spring training, uh, again, uh, every team is going to, going to have reported uh, as of today, this recording. and. We'll have actual spring training games beginning next Friday and Saturday, so a week away. The MLB preview issues is going to press mm-hmm. should be on newsstands early March, and we'll have everything team by team breakdowns, uh, cool milestones to look forward to, the top twenty rookies to keep an eye out yep. for this year. Uh, it's, it's exciting times, and obviously college baseball is going on. Teddy Cahill, yourself, all our college yeah. crew will be out at games, uh, scoping out uh, the getting looks at weekend. the guys
0: who are going to be impacting these uh, org rankings in the future. So that'll be great. Uh, for me, you got the high school preseason All-America teams coming out on that issue you just mentioned. That'll drop online here in the next few weeks. But uh, yeah, I'm just very excited that baseball is back. This slow offseason, uh, at least for my purposes now, is in the past. Watching some, some play on the field, that's going to be fantastic. But uh, yeah, definitely check out BaseballAmerica.com. Subscribe if anything that we've uh, talked about today sounds interesting to you or you just want to check out what we have. Uh, there's plenty to offer. I can uh, assure you of that. Uh, but for Kyle, I'm Carlos Galazzo. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medalla, is the mark of a fighter.